This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. End of the service. Thank you. Good morning again. Our teaching text this morning is found in Luke chapter 18. If you have your pew Bible, your blue hardback somewhere in front of you, that's going to be page 851, and we'll start in verse 1. If you're able, would you please stand as we read God's Word this morning? Luke 18, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. someone who is audaciously persistent and bold? My grandmother comes to mind when I think of someone who is audaciously persistent and bold. You know, when you go out to eat and after your waiter or waitress give you your food that you ordered, oftentimes they seem to always come back um, probably maybe 60 to 90 seconds later and you happen to have a full mouth of food and they ask you the question, you know the question, how's your food, right? Um, My my grandmother, so, so for me, just to show you my hand, there has never been one time in the history of my eating at a restaurant where I have said with a mouthful of food, eh, 5.5 out of 10, uh, I've had better. I've never said that. However, I can tell you a good handful of times as a young boy going to a restaurant with my grandmother where, where my grandmother 
would actually, before they could even come and ask how her food is, she would be hawking them down, saying this to the young waiter and saying, this is horrible. Um, <laughs> this, horrible. And, and on her plate, there would often be like a half eaten piece of chicken on there that she just spit out right on the plate. He said, take that back and uh, we have to get me a, a new meal because this is horrible. The, the woman was persistent and, and bold, unlike any other woman that I had the pleasure of sitting across the table from. And she often made her uh, 10-year-old grandson uh, just slouched down in his chair, praying that God would just translate me somewhere else in that moment. We're starting a new series this week on the power of prayer. The physician Luke, who wrote the investigative gospel that we uh, just read from in Luke chapter 18, seems to consistently point out all throughout his gospel where Jesus's power, the, the savior of the world's power came from. In Luke 3.21, Luke records Jesus praying at his baptism. In chapter four in Luke, he, he shows Jesus praying through his temptation. In Luke 5.15 and 16, he mentions that Jesus often got alone to pray. In Luke 6.12, he reveals that before Jesus chose the disciples, he spent the night praying. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, and then followed by that, there's a much, a really a similar parable that we just read in Luke 18. There's a similar one found right after that in Luke 11. Luke also authors, as you may know, the, the book of Acts in, in showing the early church in the movement that spread the gospel in the first century. And we see the same from Jesus's disciples. In Acts 1.14, the people of God join together constantly in prayer. In Acts 2.42, we see the people of God devoting themselves to prayer. In Acts 9.40, Peter prayed for the sick. In Acts 14.23, Jewish leaders prayed and then appointed elders to the church. You would be hard pressed to look through a chapter in the book of Acts without finding the people of God somewhere, sometime praying. It is clear that throughout the word of God, prayer was fundamental and not merely supplemental. It's clear that prayer is the ministry that we are to go after as the people of God, and it is the ministry that is the foundation of any fruitful ministry that we would have as a people. Prayer, prayer. So let's look again at the example from Luke 18 with all of that in mind. Luke 18, one through eight, reading it again and may these words show up clearly in our hearts and souls. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. 
He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused the judge, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Holy persistence. Holy persistence. We, we probably know someone in our life who, who is maybe really persistent but it's more of a nagging persistence, right? Not necessarily a holy one. It's not so much of a patient persistence, but it may be more of an impatient persistence. When I think of a holy persistence in this season, the, the first person that comes to my mind is Angie Worm. We've been praying for our sister Angie Beth just prayed for our sister Angie as we prayed with her battling cancer. Angie and her family and her support system around her have been persisting in prayer. They've been persisting in faith, persisting in love, and persisting in the battle for some time. That to me is a beautiful example of holy persistence. In this parable in Luke 18, it's a it's a little story with a big truth. And anytime you think of a parable, I think this is a good way to look at a parable. Oftentimes, Jesus would share a little story, but behind it, there was a big truth. There's two primary characters in this story, a judge who has power and a widow who has poverty. If you read the word of God, either in the Old or the New Testaments, you can find out that God's heart is close with the widow. God's heart is always close to those who are widows or widowers. Jesus' own brother James says that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is religion that God our Father accepts as holy and pleasing. If you've ever watched a, a boxing match, I think there was a big one on last night, uh, you've seen the tale of the tape when they have the two opponents and they share their age and they share their reach advantage and their weight and how long they've been boxing or fighting and their record. If there was a tale of the tape for this match, the judge doesn't have a great tale of the tape when it comes to his character. All that Jesus says here in regards to his character is that the judge does not fear God and he doesn't really care about people. That's, I don't know, 
What in his right mind would have considered him to say, hey, you know what? I think it would be a good idea for me to be a judge. I don't care about God, which is the supreme rule giver. He's the supreme law giver rather. And I really don't care much for people. But this judge has just that character in Jesus's parable. He's powerful, but he doesn't fear God and he doesn't care about people. That puts the widow here at a clear disadvantage when it comes to the battle, when it comes to the tale of the tape, because from what we know about her, she has suffered an injustice against an adversary in her life. And she is trying to plead her own case. She doesn't have a lawyer. She doesn't have anyone in this story who is on her side pleading it for her. She's on her own and she's going day after day after day after day after day to the judge to plead her case. She's searching for justice. But there's one thing that she does have going for her in this story. She has a whole lot of persistence. She has a holy persistence. She's got some fire. You may say she has some gusto. She's got determination. She's courageous. She's maybe even tenacious. This woman has some fire going for her and she's seeking justice. And through her holy persistence, she is awarded justice in this short parable. So quickly, I, I wanna walk through this with you. One of the ways in which we can best interpret a parable is through asking ourselves, where am I in this parable? Okay, where am I in this parable? And usually the second question we would ask is, where, where is God in this parable? Maybe those could be flipped or flopped. But where am I in this parable will be a question that we will look at to start. And so the first question I'm gonna ask you is, how am I like the judge? Or how are you like the judge? The truth is, if you're reading this text, maybe in your alone time with God, you're probably not going to ask yourself this question. How am I like the judge? Why? Because oftentimes we play the victim, right? We, we can more readily see how people have sinned against us. And it's a little more difficult for us to see how we may have sinned against people. And so if you're reading this on your own, you may not have asked yourself this question, but I actually think it is a healthy question to ask in lieu of this parable, how am I like the judge? A question we should ask ourselves in relationship to this is, do we fear God? Do we fear God? We see that the judge here certainly did not fear God. Do we respect God? Do we revere God? Do we obey God? Do we follow God? Do we submit ourselves in fullness to God? When we make decisions in our life, let me ask you the question, who is at the helm of those decisions in the decision-making process? Is it God or is it your convenience or my convenience? Is it what we think is best and where we wanna lead ourselves and our family or is it what we believe God is leading us into? Lastly, or secondly, we should ask ourselves, do we truly care for people? We see here the judge did not have a care for people. 
He sees someone right before him day after day after day after day and he doesn't act even though he has the authority and the means to act and to do something. He chooses not to do it. How many times in our life have we seen someone's need before us on a regular basis and we have the authority and the means to do something but we choose to turn a blind eye? His sin is a sin of indifference here. How are we like the judge in that regard? And then lastly, do, do we protect or do we prey on the vulnerable? Before him, he has a widow who is certainly vulnerable, especially in this culture in context that Jesus is speaking into. Do you see someone who is vulnerable before you? Do, do you seek their well-being or do you think, how can I get what I want from this person? If you're in business, you can easily prey on the vulnerable. If you're in any position of authority, you can prey on the vulnerable. If you're a young man and you're dating a young lady and you get to know her story and you see areas of clear vulnerability, if your actions tend to lean toward ways in which you can leverage that vulnerability for your benefit, you prey on the vulnerable. P-R-E-Y, P-R, not P-R-A-Y, and that's a major problem. The truth is, if we wanna be honest, we all have a little bit of the judge within us, at least in our worst. But the word of God is meant to shine on those dark areas in our heart. It's meant to bring conviction to us and allow the Holy Spirit of God to do his refining work. And I found out it's often in times of persistent prayer and silence before God where he will reveal to me some of those judge-like characteristics that are found in my heart. It's often those times in persisting in prayer where I will suddenly see the widow that may be in my life that I continue to bypass without giving ear or desire to what she may need or what he may need in God will often reveal that to you when you are persisting in prayer because he longs to work in and through his people. The next question we should be asking ourselves is how am I like the widow? How am I like the widow? Is there something in your life right now that God would have you continuing to persist for in prayer? Is there something right now or someone right now in your life where you have gotten to the point where you've said, it's just not gonna happen? Maybe it's a family member who is far off and, and their life is an absolute train wreck. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a sibling. Is there someone that you have just stopped persisting in prayer for because it just seems impossible? And so you've just given up. For some of us, what I often find is there, there are usually two types of people. There's one person who will fight for almost anything and everything. 
you'll fight for anything and everything, you're a scrapper, you'll fight. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves, is it worth the fight? Now when we're talking about people, the answer is almost always yes. But if everything is a battle to us and everything is something that we need to be taking ground up in and giving our time, attention, and affection to, the answer is no, 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 no. We probably need to be asking God for discernment on what is worthy of my battle, what is worthy of my fight. And then on the contrary, there are others of us who won't fight for anything. We don't pick any battles. We just say, God will figure it out in the end or this will all work out in the end. And so we tend to, to kind of shy away from the battles. And that's a problem too. And that's an equal problem as opposed to the, to the other side. I think another way in which we can relate with this woman is by seriously considering how much we fear man. This woman did not fear the judge. She did not fear going to him because you can see it clearly. She went to him day after day after day. Even though he had great authority over her, great power over her, she kept going to him. The word of God says the fear of man is a trap. That's Proverbs 29, 25. Some of us will use the excuse of, I don't like or confrontation when it's really we fear God too little and we fear man too much. But we'll use the excuse of, I just don't like confrontation. So if I don't view God as sovereign, if I don't view God as king, if I don't view God as ruler, if I don't view God as supreme, preeminent Lord, if I don't view God as that, ultimately we will put someone else in that spot of authority in our life and in our heart when we know as believers that that is meant for God and God alone. So it is this balance between fearing God and not fearing man that we should be looking at in terms of the persistent widow as an example of. And she also had a heart for what? She had a heart for justice. She had a heart for justice. She was seeking after justice, specifically against an adversary who had attacked her in some way, fashion, or form. We can learn a lot from the widow here. Persistence in prayer. I was reading a commentary. They, they call this a lesser to greater argument in Luke 18. It's a lesser to greater argument, which is to say, if the, if the lesser is true, how much more will the greater be true? So if the lesser is true, which is the judge being a judge who does not fear God and does not love or care for people, and if he will give ear or give way finally to this widow who he has no relationship with, how much more will the greater be true, which is us going before God continually day after day, day and night in prayer, how much more will that be true for him to give ear to us and to give us the desire of our heart if we would so persist? And I wanna be careful here because I do understand that this is not a simply one-off, or this is not so black and white. Some of y'all have been praying for someone what feels like day and night for 30, 40 plus years. And you're saying, 
it doesn't seem to be working. Or you've been praying for something for 30 plus years or 10 plus years or even five plus years and you're getting wore out. And, and so this, this, you must understand, this is not so black and white, but the truth still remains that if we are God's children and God gives ear to us and loves us and desires us and yearns for our best in this life, which is often not what we think of as the best, then we can take refuge and comfort in that. We don't serve a small J judge, we serve a big J judge who has the power, the heart, and the will to act. Prayer is simply communication with God. God communicates with us via his word and he communes with us via his Holy Spirit and we communicate back with God or to God via prayer. This is, this is what happens and takes place in a relationship with God. If you've ever prayed long enough in your life, I can promise you one thing, you have grown weary in prayer one time or another. You've grown tired, you've grown frustrated, you've asked questions like, is God even hearing me? Is my posture right? Is my heart right? Why is this not seeming to work? I feel like I'm praying to the wall at this time. You must understand that God is like a parent. Many of you are parents or grandparents here. If all you ever said to your child or your grandchild was yes, 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 or no, 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 you would be a horrible parent. No one does that here, I would be sure of. Sometimes a good parent has to say no, or sometimes a good parent also has to say later. So sometimes it's not yes, 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 or no, no, no. Sometimes it's later. Lately, my five-year-old Sienna, her, her favorite question has been often early in the morning, Daddy, is it going to be warm outside or hot outside today? I'm just glad we're finally in that season where she can ask that question. And sometimes I'll say, if it's gonna be 75, 80 degrees, it's gonna be pretty warm outside, honey. And then what she has often been doing is she'll run to her room and she'll get her bathing suit on and say, okay, I'm ready to play in the sprinkler. Or I'm ready to go on the slip and slide. And I will tell her, honey, the only thing that water is used for here in this home at 8 a.m. is either showering or watering the lawn. That, that's it, okay? Uh, we're not going in the slip and slide at 8 a.m. You have to wait a little bit later, okay? Sometimes God is responding to you in your prayers later, later, not, not yet. Also, as God's people, we need to understand that our main objective in prayer should not be to get what we want from God. This is hard. Our main objective in prayer should not be to get what we want from God. If our main objective in prayer is to get what we want from God, then we don't necessarily want God and his will for our life most of all. 
We simply may want a good life that plays out just like we hoped it would and we want shiny stuff to go with our good life. Because parenting seems to be the best illustration for a lot of this stuff. Lately, I found myself asking Sienna um, what she wants to do. So I'll say, hey, honey, what do you wanna do? And just a couple weeks ago, came back from work, mommy needed some mommy time. I think she was going to get her hair done. And um, it's me and Sienna at home. I say, honey, 75 degrees, breezy, not a cloud in the sky. Honey, you wanna go hit some golf balls with daddy? Let's go to the driving range. Eh, no daddy. She's watching a show. I go, ah, okay. How about we go on a bike ride? Let's go on a bike ride, girl. Just got you this new bike, let's, let's go on a bike ride. Eh, no daddy. I know how to get her. Honey, let's go out for ice cream. Let's go out for ice cream. Eh, maybe later, daddy. As she's tuned in to A for Adelie that is on the television. And then I just had this like revelation. Wait a minute, I'm the parent. I have a license. I, I'm, a, I'm a parent. She's five and she just wants to watch her show at this particular time in the house. It's 75 degrees with the gentle breeze and sunny. I feel like I'm in my own home reasoning with a terrorist. I, so, I, so I switched up the tone a little bit. I said, honey, I turned off the television. Honey, do me a favor, get your shoes on, get in the car, we're rolling. Guess what she did? She said, okay, daddy. She got her shoes on, she got in the car, and she asked, where are we going? Where are we going? I said, we're gonna go hit some balls at the driving range. It's too beautiful to be cooped up inside. Daddy gets a little fun too. Then we're gonna go get a big scoop of ice cream. You get whatever flavors you want. And when we get home, we're gonna go on a bike ride and you're gonna love it. And she loved it. And I'm not a dictator with my five-year-old, so don't get it twisted, but we had a talk in the car in our drive time, and I said, honey, do you know how many little five-year-old girls wish they could just go out and hang out with their dad? I said, you, like, you need to know this. And it was a very gentle conversation where then she started asking questions back and forth on our way to Western Greens, and, and she, she, was, she was like, really? I said, yeah, not, not every little five-year-old girl has a dad that really is looking forward to hanging out with them after work. I said, girl, like, I'm not here talking myself up now, but, but you're, you're pretty blessed, okay? And so she started asking questions back and forth. She, don't, she joined at the end of the day with her daddy on a mission but she thought that sitting in the living room in the air condition, watching one of her favorite shows was best for her, but her daddy wanted more for her. When you persist in prayer, you're taking that ride with your dad. You're taking that ride with your dad. He's driving, you're talking. His heart is full and by the end of it, you're more blessed than you understand and your heart is full as well. And let me say this, your prayers don't need to be so lengthy and in the King James Version, like sometimes we think they need to be. 
He's your father. He wants your heart, not your spiritual, overly linguistic prayer. He, he wants your heart. Sienna will often ask for ice cream after dinner. Not once has she come up to me and said, dearest father of mine, I would first love to praise you for your kind provision in these turbulent times and the great meal that we just received. Furthermore, I know that you have the ability to grant requests, Father of mine, and I acknowledge that with gladness in my heart. In addition, my heart and taste receptors beseech you, though undeserving as I am, that perhaps in your great mercies, you would grant to your sweet daughter a frozen delight, namely the Briar's ice cream that's in the freezer. My daughter has never asked for ice cream in such a way. What does my daughter usually do when she asks for ice cream after dinner? Dad, ice cream? And her daddy usually says, heck yeah, yeah, ice cream. That sounds great, right? But, but sometimes in our desire to, and I don't know what it is, and oftentimes it's culture, Oftentimes it's the way we've heard it. Oftentimes it's what we've seen all of our lives. We think, man, I gotta ramble like this and then perhaps God will hear me and grant my request. But if you just look around in life and the examples that God has given you all throughout scripture, you know that's not true. Why would my daughter be so willing to just get in the car, trust her daddy is gonna go do something she's ultimately going to take joy in? And why can she just ask me simply without fancy words, ice cream without the fear of being shutting down in our home? Because the one making decisions is her dad. And to be honest, this just worked because of language of the Bible. Her mom's really the boss at home. I'm just, I'm just there, okay, no, I'm, just, I'm there. Uh, but her mom's really the boss. So honey, if you're watching this at home, second service, when you're sitting front row staring daggers at me, I'll change up some wording here. She's riding with her daddy. Do you understand that when you are praying to your loving father, you are praying as a child speaking to their dad? That is the type of closeness that God longs to have with you. But, but sometimes we're so focused on what's going on in our life and in our little world and everything else, we're tuned into whatever we wanna be tuned into. The Father is inviting us into fellowship and we're saying, not, not right now, not, not now, not now, maybe later. And God, this whole time, is saying, come, child of mine, son of mine, daughter of mine, come. I wanna go on a ride with you. I want you to commune with me. I wanna hear your heart. I wanna be with you. There are times where I'll just sit in my office in silence and just be happy as a lark in the presence of God. With all distractions gone, and trust me, there's many trinkets and distractions at our fingertips. 
but to just be sitting in the presence of God, happy that he is who he is and I get to be who I get to be in his presence and he gets to pour his heart into mine and he longs to do so. I don't need much, I just need him and his nearness. My heart is full and I'm content. And at the end, this is what I've come to realize and I pray you would realize this as well. Sorry, it's a, it's a bit small in the font, but the greatest blessing in persisting in prayer isn't always finding the answer that I was hoping for, but it is becoming the person God is calling me to be. The greatest blessing that we get to receive in prayer, I, I truly believe, is not always getting what I've been praying for and hoping for, but it is what God accomplishes in us when we persist in prayer with him. And that is Christ-likeness. That is something that happens deep within our soul in the fabric of our character in our being that is different. Guys, I could tell you in this, this specific story as we conclude this morning, this specific story in my life, and listen to me, y'all, I, I am not claiming to be the example or the champion in this because I have struggled with seasons of prayerlessness in my walk with God where I have just struggled to persist in prayer. I have found every reason to, to say no to my daddy's invitation to come and be with him. But I can recall a time when I was about 21 years old, maybe 20, and an older gentleman who was filled with the Spirit of God in his upper 70s, younger 80s, we'll call it, invited me into his office and he said, young man, what do you wanna do for the Lord? And, and the only thing that was on my heart at that time was, I, I wanna preach the Word of God to people. I wanna, I wanna shepherd people and I wanna share the Word of God and I wanna make disciples. I wanna just communicate the word of God. And he said, uh, how much are you praying? And in no way was this legalistic at all in that moment. He wasn't preaching a four-point sermon on it. He was talking to a young man as the spirit of God was leading him. And I said, oh, I, pr I pray all the time, man. I pray here, I pray there, I pray on my way here, I, pr I pray. I pray with the church body, I pray. I'm in community prayer groups. And he goes, no, 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 I'm saying like, you and God alone. Let me see what your schedule looks like. This is once again probably an 80-year-old gentleman looking at a young man who's probably 21 years old, all wet behind the ears. And he says, I wanna challenge you to spend your first hour awake in prayer. If you wanna have a ministry that's gonna be fruitful and that's going to reach people for Christ and you truly wanna partner with God and do his work, you're going to need to be before the Father constantly and consistently and you better schedule it because something else will find its way there. And guys, I don't wanna embellish on this too much, 
But in that season, at about 21 years old, when I took that man up for his word, and it was a season, it was probably around eight to 12 weeks, so two to three months, I just said, I'm gonna do what this man called me to do and, and pushed me to do. I cannot explain to you what happened in my life and in my heart and in my ministry. God began flinging doors open that I had never imagined, nor did I even pray for them to be flung open. God began to give me favor before man that I had never anticipated as a 21-year-old. And God began to have people come up to me, literally, you wanna talk about easy ministering and witnessing opportunities? People would literally come up to me. I'm not kidding you in this season and say, why are you always so happy? Why are you always smiling? And I said, I've never had anyone ask me this question. The only thing that is distinctively different between at that time and before was the fact that I began to pray regularly first thing in the morning and spend time with the Father before I did anything else. I cannot explain to you the fruitfulness that came from it. And if I could be honest with you and transparent, I wish I did that today more often. I w some of y'all have, have the ability in this season to implement that. And let me just say this, do not think it needs to be an hour. For some of us, it's like, man, if I could just do this for three minutes, first thing in the morning, and just spend time before God, you would see a drastic change in your relationship with God and also our relationships with people. I'm gonna encourage you and I'm gonna challenge you to apply this and don't do it just because Pastor John said so. Do it because you really feel you desire to do it. Faithfulness in prayer equates to fruitfulness in life. Take a ride with your father and watch where he desires to take you. I promise you, if you keep persisting and if you don't lose heart, specifically in this one area of spiritual discipline, God will blow your mind in this area. Would you pray with me, church? Father, we'd be hard-pressed to look more than one or two chapters in your word of God without finding men and women who persisted in prayer and who prayed continuously. And we would be hard pressed then to find out how you acted and moved on their behalf when we literally choose to take up this one spiritual obedience and get serious with it. And Father, as a man who has struggled in his walk with Christ, with finding consistent times of prayer and I have ran from you in my prayer life before and I have been inconsistent so many times. I know I'm speaking with people here who can also relate with that. 
But God, as we look at your word and, and as we see such a testimony of the persistence of prayer, when it just comes to the fact of someone like a widow who is going up against an unruly judge who doesn't give a rip about people, and we think about you and all that you care for in regards to your humankind, it's hard to imagine that we would be a people who would flee from you and run from you in our prayer lives. So God, first, would you forgive us? Maybe we're in that season right now where we're just, we're living a life of prayerlessness. We're asking other people's opinion before we go to our Father. Would you, would you please forgive us? for the areas of our life, and maybe this particular season where we're running from you instead of running to you in prayer. And God, I pray and I know there is so much grace in your heart for us in this moment, and I pray that you would give us the strength, even in our weakest moments, to be able to go to you day in and day out and call on your name, and that in that you would, yes, answer our request, and maybe it's a yes, no, or a later, but even maybe more than that, that you would change within us our heart and that you would refine our character as your people so that we could be the people of God that you are calling us to be. God, I love you, we love you, and we thank you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen. Thank you, Ben.